Well, it's Friday, and that can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside EMS, and I'm very excited to be here with you today, but not as excited as my co-host, Kelly Grayson. But before I introduce him, this episode of the Inside EMS podcast is sponsored by Pulsera. Learn more about how you can build a regional system of care for free at www.pulsera.com slash EMS. And here he is, my companion... I don't know if I should say that. Kelly Grayson, KG, <laughs> how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Just got in off uh, 12 hours on the road to to lovely Indianapolis, Indiana. So, Well, awesome. And you need to, uh, once we're done recording, you get some sleep. But today, Kelly, I think we got a really you know awesome show because I think one of the biggest things that we have to deal with in the EMS career field that I don't know that we're necessarily prepared to deal with is the topic of sepsis. And our next guest is Mm -hmm. going to be the guy to share his knowledge, his expertise, to give us everything we need to know about sepsis. Because he is famed for his infectious enthusiasm. How about that? (laughs) You 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 are a man of few words. But he is an author. He is a speaker. He is a friend, and in 2018, he was an EMS 10 winner, but here he is, Rami Duckworth. Rom. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure It's a pleasure to virtually be here with everyone. <laughs> Rami, it's been a long time. I mean, we've done a lot of work together on the old, in the old days on the podcast, and uh, it seems like you're doing a lot of work now when it comes around sepsis, and again, you know, you kind of heard the opening. This was one of the things that I think... We don't do enough training on, and it's something that we need to really pay attention to when we're doing our assessments and, uh, you know, trying to figure out what's going on with the patient. I don't know that sepsis is one of the things that really pop into people's minds. So I think, you know, the first question I want to ask you is, what's the sepsis myth? Well, the... I would say that the most common myth about sepsis is that the sepsis itself is an infection or some kind of a form of infection. And that's what got me interested in um, trying to figure all of this stuff out and trying to learn a little bit more about sepsis. Back in the day, that was more or less how sepsis was taught to me as an EMT and a paramedic, that it was was infection-related and it was something that happened to old people uh, in a skilled nursing facility and it wasn't really something that was emergent or that we were going to be dealing with in the back of the ambulance. And um, bit by bit, as I I picked up on it uh, uh, along my time in the back of an ambulance, I started to think, hey, I I think there might be a little bit more to this sepsis thing and uh, started learning a little bit more, picking up more along the way from people who knew a lot more about it than I did and then started to share and what what would mean something, I think, to EMTs and paramedics at three o'clock in the morning on a dark and stormy night in some little old lady's living room. (laughs) So... So exactly how would you define sepsis if it's not uh, not an infection? Well, it's uh, complex, and that's one of the reasons that, you know, it becomes a little bit of a challenge. You start to learn a little bit about it, and there's this reaction and that reaction and the immune system and blah, blah, blah. And it really comes down to the fact um, that sepsis, though, is the body's reaction 
to an infection. And, and it's a little bit of an oversimplification, but the way I got my, uh, my hold on this concept is that just like anaphylaxis is when the body takes a normal reaction to protect itself and it goes way overboard and starts this cascade of problems that are that where the, the body is threatening to itself is a similar thing with sepsis. Uh, in fact, a lot of the same things, a lot of the same mechanisms that start occurring that are life-threatening in anaphylaxis are also occurring in sepsis, um, but there are things that even beyond that. So it's, it's the infection probably isn't doing the patient any good, but it's actually the body's life-threatening reaction to the infection that's the septic reaction. And, and, and it can, sepsis, that, that immune dysregulation will often kill the patient long after the original infection has been uh has been defeated it's uh it's it just like anaphylaxis uh, the simile you drew is is appropriate uh, we've lost the brakes on our immune system car i like that that's a great analogy kelly grayson is full of analogies so you know <laughs> he's full of something that's well let's say analogies just so we can be nice about it but you know, when we think about this, this is a very, very prevalent thing in our career field. More than 1.7 million people in the U.S. are diagnosed with sepsis. About 270,000 people will die from sepsis every year in the United States. So if we're going to think about it from the first responder standpoint, in your opinion, what is it that first responders need to know about sepsis? Well, the first thing I think you need to know is it's it's not always sepsis. Sep sepsis is kind of a subtle thing, uh, and it, it does always begin with the infection, as we said. Um, but not every infection is sepsis. Not every little old lady who uh, maybe has a history of pneumonia or a UTI, and and you know I, I've I've referred to the elderly um, a couple of times so far, but it really it can affect people of any age. Um, That's right. Just trying to work with the classic picture. But what we need to do as healthcare providers is make sure that we're asking all of the necessary questions, that we don't take a look at it and go, well, you know, um, her, this uh, patient's um, having difficulty breathing, their uh, pulse ox is low, their end title is off, um, but I know that they've got this history of pneumonia, so they've got a pneumonia problem and that's all there is to it. Not asking further questions like, well, let's do, um, let's make sure that we're taking serial um, blood pressures. Let's make sure, you know, even preferably we're looking at a mean arterial pressure instead of a blood pressure. Um, so we get a better feel of the, the subtle changes in perfusion status um, and, and do the ongoing assessment that's going to reveal a little bit more subtle issues that may lead us down to a road, uh, a road to a diagnosis of sepsis or septic shock pre-hospitally where we can um, you know, work with our hospitals in the emergency department and get the ball rolling at that end and make sure that we're doing fluid resuscitation and some of the other things that are going to be necessary along the way and not just assuming that it's you know, an infection or maybe even a bad infection and leave it at that. So, you know, you talk about this from the, from the assessment standpoint. You know, you mentioned the pulse ox and you mentioned the primary assessment and the secondary assessment. So as we now start to get into our, our flow of trying to figure out what's going on with the patient, how are we really going to make the determination that we got to, you know, because you talked about fluid therapy. That means we've got to be down the path that this could be, you know, the patient could be septic. So what are we really looking for when it comes to this assessment? Well, 
<clears throat> I, I'm not a huge fan of analogies um, for use in the back of an ambulance. I think they, they get overused. Um, but again, trying to wrap my head around something that involves all sorts of different reactions all throughout the body. And I think it really does come down to a set of ABC. Um, we're looking at uh, the patient acquired an infection, A, acquired infection, B, they've got some kind of uh, blood vessel problems, you know, some kind of cardiovascular involvement. Mm -hmm. And um, if we don't detect that blood vessel problem, it'll lead to C, circulatory collapse. And that's the level when we get to septic shock. So we're really watching out for that infection and the cardiovascular problems that go along with it uh, and trying to catch it before it gets to that circulatory collapse. And, and the blood vessel problems, this is what makes it a little bit of a challenge to talk about sepsis to a broad audience of EMS providers is the fact that there's no one consensus as to these are the exact criteria for sepsis. There, locally, there are people who use different criteria all over the place. Yeah. Um, so, so really, you know, when, when we're talking really broadly, if you've got local criteria, I say, use your local criteria for whatever that, you know, disruption of, uh, of, uh, blood vessel problems is, uh, whether it's uh, tachycardia, uh, hypotension, um, you know, low map, uh, increase in lactate, uh, decrease in entitled CO2, you know, there's, there are so many different vital signs to pick from, right. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but whatever you put together, you go, this patient's got an infection and this patient's got cardio, uh, cardiovascular um, problems. Those two things going together, sepsis is that simple. It is that simple. And we when can, that progresses to shock, then you've got sepsis, right. septic shock. And you can't really even rely on the fever anymore. I mean, we really need to start to think about from the standpoint of pathophysiology, could this be happening? And it, it, it's almost uh, better safe than sorry kind of thing. You know, low body temperature is, uh, is as accurate a predictor of, of uh, sepsis as, as fever, you know, uh, and in the patients who are, who are most susceptible. You know, you get on the, either end of the age spectrum, um, you start to worry about low body temperature as well being a sign of sepsis. Absolutely. The patients may, although it's kind it's kind of rare, the patient could just be afebrile. They could have an infection that's overwhelming them. Mm -hmm. And part of the disruption, you know, part of their metabolic disruption is that they don't have that fever response. Um, just like some patients, you know, don't get tachycardia when they need to increase their heart rate and you would expect that. Um, but absolutely can't, can't overemphasize what, uh, what Kelly said that, you know, if you got a patient who's on the shock end of septic shock, remember, um, the infection may have caused a fever that now this patient is becoming, um, you know, icy cold because they're, sh they're shocking and they're just, their body's shutting down. Yeah, I um, I like the fact that you you pointed out that, that the diagnosis or the awareness of sepsis is, is doesn't necessarily have to be tied to a specific set of criteria, you know, because that, that's one of the the controversies in, in sepsis care right now is that we had traditionally used SERS criteria, the systemic inflammatory response syndrome criteria, um, as as a uh, a screening. Uh, if you will, pre-hospital screening for sepsis. And then the sepsis three guidelines came out and they, they ditched SIRS in, in favor of SOFA, which is not really a screening test. It's more of a mortality predictor and, and maybe more sensitive than the SIRS criteria, but really hasn't, um, really hasn't been validated for specificity yet. So, um, 
I think boiling it down to the vast majority of EMS providers, you know, in, in the way that you, I like your analogy that the, the um, um, you've got an infection, uh, you've got a blood vessel problem, uh, you know, be, be aware of an infection, you've got a blood vessel problem and it's going to lead to circulatory collapse uh, and, and, and going with that. Um, do you think that will result in a little over triage of, of sepsis patients and, and, uh, is that going to necessarily be a bad thing if we over triage sepsis, uh, considering how prevalent the problem it is? I don't think it's going to be a problem if we, we cast a wide net as long as we know that we've got some kind of a, a two-tiered system in there. That that if, if it's in the role of a pre-hospital providers, um, say we've got a, 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 in a particular system, we've got a lot of pre-hospital providers and maybe they're not running a lot of calls mm-hmm. um, and, and they have so much to remember uh, about all the different aspects of our job. Uh, then you want to keep it simple for the guidelines. And in, in that kind of a case, I think something like the, the SOFA assessment where you're, you're just looking at heart rate, altered mental status and elevated respirations, just super simple. It casts yeah. a wide net and it is going to over triage, but it's super simple to remember at three o'clock in the morning. But, but if your system is set up that way, then in the emergency department or with a paramedic intercept or however you want to set it up in your own service, you know, you, you have to have somebody else saying, okay, we've cast a wide net and not all of this stuff is going to be sepsis. We're, we're doing this so that we don't miss somebody who's then going to sit in the ER because we think all they have is a UTI until all of a sudden they collapse or they go into cardiac arrest because sepsis has been working its magic and, and, and now they go into cardiovascular collapse. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, I think, you know, if you're going to over triage, that can work really, really well, but you got to recognize that over triage is happening and you got to have your system set up to deal with it. Yeah. And it's, and it's one of those things that, you know, you talk about, you know, going into cardiac arrest, and it really can happen that fast if this goes untreated. But I want to take a quick break, Rom. And after the break, I want to talk about this EMS 10 award and your work with the Sepsis Alliance and the free online training that was created. But before we do that, Kelly Grayson is going to tell us a little bit about Pulsera. Pulsera provides a real-time communication network across entire regions, and it's free to EMS. The Pulsera platform, built on the power of mobile technology, Unites the right clinicians at the right time for the right patient, providing transparency and streamlined communication. Simply create a dedicated patient channel, build the team, and communicate using audio, video, instant messaging, data, images, and key benchmarks. Any patient, any condition, every time. Oh, and did we mention it's free to EMS? For more information, visit pulsera.com EMS. That's P-U-L-S-A-R-A dot com slash E-M-S. So, Rom, you know, congratulations on your award when it came out. You know, I was very, very happy for you. You know, you're someone that has really dedicated themselves to education. I enjoy listening to your uh, lectures. Probably one of the best lecturers on this uh, podcast. But, you know, you were recognized. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) What's the matter, Kelly? I'm putting myself in there, too, so don't worry about it. But uh, 2018 EMS 10 Award, tell us a little bit about that and the work you were doing with the Sepsis Alliance. Uh, Absolutely. Um, Well, as I mentioned, 
Um, I've been a I've been a paramedic for a little over 25 years now, and back in the day, there just wasn't a lot of focus on sepsis. So as I'm hearing a little bit more about it, I'm I'm trying to you know I'm I'm using I'm referring to Doctor Google to try and learn a little bit more about it. And uh, I came across a group that had a lot of really good resources, and I reached out to them directly, and they put me in touch with some really sharp emergency physicians, pediatric specialists who really helped me break down and understand uh, this complex, um, you know, this complex medical problem and help me put it in terms that, uh, I was able to start sharing with other EMS providers. You know, this wasn't just a, a doc explaining a complex thing in a way that, that didn't have a lot of meaning for me as an EMS provider, or, or it may have been interesting, but wasn't going to change my practice. It, it really did. Um, and then they talked to me and they said, well, you know, we really want to reach out to more EMS providers. And so they were asking some questions and uh, I helped put together a, an education program um, that we wound up uh, over the course of about a year and a half, two years, wound up getting uh, endorsed by uh, NAMSI, uh, EMS Educators, um, Association of uh, EMS Physicians, National Association of EMTs and the like. Um, and the, the Sepsis Alliance helped do the fundraising and put this together. Together, um, so that uh, they're at sepsis.org is their website at sepsis.org um, and you look up sepsis first response and there's a one hour program which is basically the training program on sepsis from start to finish uh, and there's also the um, a shorter like a 15 minute a little bit faster um, reenactment of a sepsis bad sepsis call that I had um, that uh, for people with maybe a little bit less time on their hands or shorter attention spans, um, really breaks it down for them. And he here's sepsis. Here's what it means. Um, we got some docs from the CDC and the like, and uh, and we put that all together. And um, you know, it's it's really been getting out there. And uh, I think the 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 good work uh, that we really tried to focus on, um, staying on target with some educational objectives and and stuff that really had meaning. You know. Um, a lot of this stuff was videos, and I said, well, I don't want it to look like those training videos that have made us all, you know, practically induce seizures when you have to sit down and watch this stuff. I said, I, I, I want something that's that somebody's going to be able to watch and say, okay, I get it. You've taught me something new, something I didn't know, and this is going to have real meaning. I'm going to be able to do something with my hands to make somebody's life better with this. And um, and and that's they've helped me put it out there, and 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 so there was a little bit of recognition, and I'm happy for it. Yeah, you know, and, and looking over your the the sepsis first responder presentation, um, there's some some statistics you cite that that really leap out uh, and and demonstrate uh, the importance of the EMS responder in in, in uh, dealing with sepsis. Uh, one of them being that mortality from sepsis increases eight percent for every hour that treatment is delayed. Uh, and as many as 80% of those sepsis deaths could be prevented with rapid diagnosis and treatment. Um, that number is the one that, that, that really stands out in my mind is, uh, uh, and, and heralds the need for an awareness campaign for sepsis. You know, I, I sometimes forget that when I'm debating with other healthcare providers on, you know, the benefits of, uh, of uh, early administration of vasopressors versus the 30 milliliters per kilogram of fluid therapy that, that uh, um, some recommend and that sort of thing, uh, I, I tend to forget that a whole lot of people just have a hard time grasping how prevalent the problem this is and how to recognize it. And, and these, uh, your, your, uh, 
your your presentation here really drives that point home that that uh, regardless of how your system chooses to treat it um, and, and and what your data you're basing your your treatment methods and your your protocols on uh, understanding uh, the the significance of the problem being more aware is going to save a whole lot of lives in and of itself thanks I, I really think so and you know when they started showing me some of these some of the statistics um, the EMS transports more than half of patients uh, in se- with severe sepsis who arrive at the yeah. ED. And this is something that, it, you know, it's not just out there. We're bringing them in. And, and the patients transported by EMS, those people who call 911, those patients tend to be older and the ones who tend to be sicker and more in need of our care. Um, and we tend to be the first medical contact for most patients with sepsis. This really is not a thing that's just in, you know, in the ICU or, or in a skilled nursing facility. We're, we're out there making contact with it, whether we recognize it or not. Yeah, and, and as such, it needs to be treated with all the urgency of a STEMI or a stroke, uh, you know, hence the sepsis alert programs. It, it is genuinely a time-sensitive illness that, that EMS can have a, a great influence on, on mortality and, and morbidity from. So kudos to you on, on, on putting together this program. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's going to be beneficial to a, a wide swath of EMS providers around the country. Well, thank you very much. I, I appreciate it. And um, I, again, you're the master of the analogy. And I think thinking of it in terms of the um, oh of, uh, c- cardiac problems uh, really make it, I think that's where we got to go with it. You know, not all chest pain is a heart attack, but when someone's complaining of chest pain, you know, we're chasing down all the leads. We want to increase uh-huh. our, our sensitivity and our specificity and sepsis is the same way. Again, not everything is sepsis, but you just, you don't want to let a patient who has sepsis right in front of you slip through the cracks because, um, we miss them pre-hospitally. Um, we watch the uh, statistics and they miss them in the emergency department as well. You know, we're, we're, mm-hmm. again, we're the first line of defense. I agree. And, uh, we don't, we don't advocate giving Kelly, uh, you know, any, uh, But anyway, let's go ahead and get to the last question. So, you know, I I think we've covered a lot of things and I think the awareness is, you know, coming, you know, this is just one of those things that we've neglected for so many years. And I think you've brought a lot of great uh, points for us to think about. I just want to kind of give you the last word here, you know, talk to the EMS providers that are out there. And and if you're going to give them one strong piece of advice as to learning the you know ins and outs of sepsis you know how to ensure that our assessment skills are going to be on the ball or you know the the best way to treat i mean what do you leave them with i leave them with use the skills that i know that each and every one of you has be a patient advocate we aren't always going you know it's it's dirty out there in the field we're not always going to have all of the information even when we're trying our best um to yeah. really make us feel solid that okay this is definitely sepsis or this is not or you know we're sometimes it's going to be a little bit fuzzy um but when you go ask all of those questions whether you're arriving at a destination hospital that's got a defined sepsis protocol and you follow that protocol or you're at some place that that doesn't really have something set up, you tell them, I suspect sepsis. 
you trigger that sepsis alert if if this patient warrants it, but you make sure that at the emergency department that they take it seriously and that this someone is someone who gets a rapid evaluation for that rapid follow-up. I suspect sepsis, be that patient advocate that if, if you're listening to this, I know you already are. And and not only will that pay pay dividends to your patients, but um, to the healthcare system as well. We all know that there's, you know, pay for performance uh, measures in, increased and, and part of the, and, you know, that, that uh, iatrogenic infections are, are not uh, reimbursed by CMS and, and that's become a big concern for, for a great many hospitals. So the, the quicker that sepsis uh, or an underlying infection can be, can be recognized by the hospital and documented that it started beforehand is going to, is going to help those hospitals as well. Um, and, and the, the healthcare system in general of which we should be playing a critical role. But hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. Ramos told us about sepsis and made us aware of the scope of the problem. Do you feel your colleagues at your agency are aware of the scope and the prevalence of sepsis and how important our role is in, in dealing with it? Do you have active sepsis alert programs at your agency and, and with your participant hospitals? We'd like to hear your thoughts and see what you're doing for sepsis. Email us at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And for myself, co-host Chris Civilero, and the most animated man in EMS education, Robbie <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We're going to catch you guys next week. <laughs>